This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues. Enter promo code BREACH10 for 10% savings. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 301, for the week of Wednesday, the 6th of December, 2017. I'm Ben. And I'm Scott. This episode is brought to you by Gamefly and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Mattel DC Multiverse Steppenwolf Wave, the Playmates 11-inch Yusagi Yojimbo action figure, and the SH Figure Arts Pretty Guardian Super Sailor Mercury. Well, hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, dude. I've been <laughs> Decembered, and it's only the 6th of December at the time of recording, but I feel like December is, I've had all the December already. Is it the busiest time of the year, or do we just think it's the busiest time of the year? Because it feels like the busiest time of the year. I think particularly when you've got, you know, like kids, you've got your your work Christmas stuff, and then... All of the kids' Christmas stuff, both you know, at school and out of school, at their activities and that mm. sort of thing. And so it's literally like there's something on almost every night. Um, yes, I I have endured several um, of those sort of you know school occasions that where you <laughs> just by the nature of the fact that there's lots of kids, you have to spend a lot of time uh, wading through stuff about kids that you don't really care about. In order to oh, have yes. that kind of couple minutes of yours, so oh, so I know that. Yes, um, <laughs> but yeah, my um, my eldest, who's going to be in year twelve last year, they had their school presentation night last night, and we found out that she's going to be school vice, co- college vice captain next year. Great, um, yeah, and so that was super exciting, um, and a nice way to end two and a half hours of oh, so much talking. Um, yes, like yeah. So, and it's a new but, era now because you can tell who's paying attention by the number of people who have their heads in their laps because they're actually <laughs> playing like Candy Crush on their phones instead of, you know, actually listening. Yeah. Do you know what I find really scary about that is that, you know, because I have a, a decent commute to work and like I can, it's really obvious when people are driving and uh, yeah. looking at their phone and it yes. really freaks me out. Like I, now I have a, I have to confess that I, I mean, I don't drive and look at my phone, but I am guilty of the occasional text while driving, um, and I, I really need to stop. I'm sorry, um, but like I do not drive looking at my phone, and but you can just see people like particularly when traffic's kind of a little bit backed up and that sort of thing, where um, you know they're they're not looking at all; they're just kind of looking down. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and. Uh, you know, today I driving home the other way. I drove past an accident where there were two cars overturned. Um, oh on the wow! Freeway, and I'm thinking, like, how does that happen? Like, you know, people not paying attention. It's really that's what it is. Yeah, my commute to work on a good day uh, is about 15 minutes. I'm, I'm quite lucky, but mm. the other morning it was an hour and 10 minutes because the major arterial road that I take uh, was backed up as far as the eye could see, and I've got. There's a certain turnoff that I can take where if I th- if I think the traffic's moving slow, I can take an alternate route. But 
I kind of, as I was kind of looking and saw the traffic slowing down, I just went past that turn and oh. went, oh, I've, I've missed my chance. Yeah. And, and yes, there, there was about a five-car sort of rear-ender. And yeah. I'd say, you know, it was all because someone was probably on their phone or shaving or, you know, applying makeup while they were driving. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, I just, I just don't think, you know, having an accident like that, I don't think they realise how inconvenient it is to me. So it's a very selfish of them. No, it is really um, very self-involved to get into <laughs> that. So, so what sort yeah. of, um, you know, end-of-year festivities have you been subjected to? Oh, wow. Well, I have uh, three tadpoles, um, two uh, twins, so they're, uh, so they're in the same year. And so our end-of-year school concerts are uh, – we, we they go to a large school, and so because there's so many classes, the end-of-year school concert is actually concerts. And they do it over two nights. And when wow. the yeah, when the the program comes out, you're just looking for those class names, and you're going, please, 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 no. And then you realise that the three kids are spread out over two nights. Uh, it's like <laughs> really. And so, and of course, you, you kind of know what the kids are going to do because they're often singing, you know, the same mm-hmm. song for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so it's like, oh, okay. And one of my uh, twins said, "Oh, you know, I have to take a torch." And I said, "Oh, okay. You know, there's that. You know, blah blah blah. I'll take that one." And when it came time to do her thing, they came out on stage. The song started. They sung for about sixty seconds, and then the lights went off, and they were using the torches to do, you know, patterns. And we'd been sitting there for two hours uh, oh, in in this God. huge gymnasium during uh, a, a a summer in Canberra, which was humid because it had been raining in this giant concrete building with a tin roof. Uh, and I, t- I turned to Mrs. Shake and I just went, our child is in there somewhere. You know, <laughs> she, she, she's one of those lights you know, that's swishing around everywhere. And it's like, wow, <laughs> two hours to see a whole bunch of lights swishing around. And, you know, I know that these are some of the best times you'll have in your life and you should really be getting behind it. And then they're all really cute and blah, blah, blah. But I just, I think it's the wrong time of the year. My patients are sure, you know, just shot and... Yeah, so that was that was over and done with, thankfully. And now we're just down to the pajama and pizza day at school, and the such and such, and the, the aqua fun day, and the yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I can attest to it from a former teacher's side that it's uh, no fun for anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like you know, you're getting to that point where, like actual ability to teach you know anything significant is done um you know because yes. everyone's just beyond it but we're not allowed to leave yet so what do we do to kind of you know keep everyone occupied and um it is like you can do some really fun stuff but often i think what ends up happening is that you know i w- always try to be really conscious of what we were actually asking of parents and you know, what you're asking kids to bring, because even stuff like dress-ups and, and that sort of thing, like, you know, it's all fun, except that as the parent, it can be hugely stressful. Um, and expensive. You're thinking, it, well, and expensive, but then also the angst that can go around it, you know, as well, uh, particularly with girls and stuff. And I think sometimes just kind of having things, you know, you can have it be fun, but still be a bit low-key and low-demand for yes. you know, what the parents need to do. Which can get forgotten sometimes. I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay, we have uh, two t- toys to to soothe our nerves. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right. Well, that's what I was saying to my um, better half 
tonight, I was like, you know, I know it's super busy and there's so much happening, but I need some therapy. So, <laughs> you know, can I, can I please play with my friends? I'm going to go and talk about dollies. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> on hey, speaking of, um, before we get into some reviews, uh, on the acquisition front, um, what have you acquired lately? Anything? Hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm starting to get to the point now where I think we got into a pretty good rhythm where I'd, I'd sort of pick something up each week and review it, but uh, I've built up a bit of a stash. So for my Toy of the Week tonight, I'm sort of digging back a couple of months to something that's been sitting on the shelf for a while. However, um, I did get my Sideshow Collectibles Lex Luthor premium format statue this uh-huh. week, which uh, is a miracle in itself because I ordered it over two years ago. I think it now trumps... <laughs> um, it, it it tops Conan Rage of the Undying for the longest wow. statue from order to delivery at, at something like two years and a m- one month. Some wow, it's been delayed that many times, but it's uh, it's a beautiful piece, and hopefully I'll uh, I'll talk about it in an upcoming episode. Excellent. So yeah, what about you? Uh, I think the last thing, like I've got uh, the last couple of things I got were the Cheetah Premium Format which I've reviewed, followed by the Huntress Premium Format, which I haven't reviewed yet, um, which and, and mine had some issues, like they, it came uh, a little bit broken, um, but mm. but fixable. Um, but anyway, I'll save all that for when I actually talk about it. But So I've just had to kind of get that rectified. Um, and then there was the cape issue, and I got my kind of thing saying, oh, your replacement cape has shipped, um, and then it seems to have, it's not here yet and, right. uh, it seems to be taking forever. So I don't, I don't really know. I was kind of waiting to get that before I reviewed it. Um, mm. and then the other thing, which, um, would probably be the next other review that I will do is the DC collectibles deluxe bombshell Harley. Um, mm. so listeners, uh, avid listeners may recall that I didn't, get the original Harley because I wasn't all in on bombshells at that point and it I didn't really like some things about it and <clears throat> I'm really glad now that I didn't because this is uh it's it's really really cool um mm. so but I'll I'll save that for a review um and otherwise yeah I I think that that might be about it I've been so flat out and um one thing about changing jobs which means that i'm not doing interstate travel um which is uh really good for my wallet but bad (laughs) on the acquisition front is that i'm not actually getting the same opportunity to be around lots of different shops yeah that's a good Um, point yeah so i'm sure that you know my children will thank me because maybe there'll be something to leave them after all um (laughs) besides debt and toys um but uh yeah i just kind of like oh you know when you're not around stuff as much you don't buy as much (laughs) that's true yeah it it is true i I haven't actually been into my local zing for a while so i don't know what's kind of out and about at the moment and yeah yeah there's been a bit of a lull there was a point where the different lines i collected there was stuff just coming out all the time um from kotobukiya dc collectibles you know a few different things but there's just a bit of a lull at the moment so i'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts and i've actually got kind of oddly there's a couple of bombshell pieces um that have i pre-ordered with zing 
that have been out for months but still aren't out at Zing. Mm. And, mm. yeah, and so I've kind of been, you know, I haven't – it's just really odd. So I've kind of contacted them, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, they're coming. And I'm thinking, yeah, but, like – um, Everybody else has them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think we also get to that time of the year too where, you know, if you've got a good family, they don't want to give you socks and jocks. So, uh, you know, I I know Mrs. Shake gets bothered by my mother and it's like, you know, your mother wants a list of things she can buy you for Christmas. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, how about I just pick up this action figure and you can just give it to her to give to me. And, you know, it means I get something I really want, but, you know, now I have to wait till Christmas to actually get it. Same, same, Mm, same, mm. yeah. So we have got a compilation show this week of Choice of the Week from your good self and then also from Eddie and Adam. Indeed. Um, So we might, uh, maybe we'll let you kick off um, and we'll uh, go from there and then you and I will come back at the end with a little bit of feedback before we say bye-bye. Sounds good. Ooh, it's me, Beetlejuice. So, Adam, check out my great new house, The Vanishing Wall. Scary. Each sold separately. Just lie down inside and say, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Even smell. I'm scary. Ooh. Ah! Now, back to normal. Beetlejuice. Like it? Makes my head spin. Speaking of spins, let's take one of my awesome phantom flyer. A real scare on wheels. Great for on the ground or in the air. Right? Pop wheelies. Ah! Give also a lift. Am I the ghost with the most or what? Greetings, valued listener. Ben, aka Fish Milkshake here, coming at you with another Action Figure Blues a Toy of the Week review. For this episode, I'm going back in time just a little bit and a bit of deja vu going on here on steroids, you might say, as I revisit Usagi Yuyimbo, the classic samurai rabbit. A couple of months ago, I did a review of the new 4-inch figure that came out in the most recent wave, and I was lucky enough to stumble upon the 11-inch version of Usagi. Now, this is a Walmart exclusive that I somehow managed to pick up at Kmart in Australia. Yes, indeed. Interesting. All right, this is a 2017 release and a 2017 acquisition. As I said, it is from Playmates Toys and a tip for new players. If you're going to go to Google and type in Playmates, you might want to be very careful how you type that in, especially if you are at work. Do remember to type in Playmates Toys, not just Playmates. Anyway, this is the new 11-inch line that Playmates have brought out, and there are any number of of Turtles variations in this line and so far I think the only additions outside of the Turtles are an 11 inch shredder and of course Usagi who we are talking about here. Um, When I found this guy he was uh, all by his lonesome on the shelf there were no other figures in the 11 inch line present Uh, he was a real oddity just sitting on uh, his own. Now uh, a lot of people were paying big money on eBay and the secondary market for this figure because he was hard to get when he first came out. I don't know what the current situation is like but I paid a, a whopping $12 for this figure. US $12 about $15 Australian. So very pleased. Alright moving on to packaging. Uh, pretty much a standard window box in terms of styling. Uh, it is what you expect for this line. That very very bright fluorescent green that is common uh, to all the Playmates Ninja Turtles lines makes it stand out. It's really obvious because it is a bigger figure. Uh, it stands out even more. So yeah, I guess kudos to, to Playmates for doing that and also keeping that consistency. Now the styling does feature the, the same graphics 
as uh, the most recent wave, so that samurai-themed uh, line. So we see the Ninja Turtles in all their samurai action gear. And, uh, you know, Usagi's very present. It's obvious who it is. Um, which is actually quite nice, some nice graphics. Um, once again, nothing in the way of crediting the sculptor or anyone like that. However, the fine print on the very bottom of the box does actually uh, denote that Usagi is actually a trademark of Stan Sakai. So that's actually nice, getting a little bit of credit there. Nothing else to say, you know, Stan Sakai's Usagi or anything like that. Um, this is just the Nickelodeon Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, etc., one of the things I did actually notice with this uh, is Usagi is absolutely jammed in this box. Um, he, he takes up the whole thing. Uh, he is actually a little taller than the other 11-inch figures because uh, if you're not familiar, he does actually feature that famous top knot that uh, comes from having his, uh, his ears tied back, uh, which is actually very, very cool and one of his trademarks. Now, because of that, the ears stick up quite high and uh, I actually noticed they were touching the top of the box and I thought maybe it was the way he was positioned in the tray. But no, he, he fills up this box completely. Not only that, but his kind of face was pressed up against the window as well so i don't know whether that was a slight oversight when they were doing the the rest of this line and you know came up with a box to fit the rest of the turtles and it was only once things run away they realized that usagi was going to be a little bit bigger than the rest of the guys so not sure what happened but man he was absolutely jammed into this box and it's kind of surprising that uh, there isn't sort of any damage in terms of you know in transit all right, now in terms of being collector friendly, no, man, this is one ugly figure to get out of the box. Not only does it feature a number of twist ties, but they've used about, oh, you know, 400 meters of uh, sticky tape to actually cover up those twist ties. So I'm not quite sure why you have to use twist ties and then use tape to hold them down, um, but it's just kind of an extra layer of misery. So my standard approach to getting these kinds of figures out of the box is to actually just snip the cables with a little pair of cutters rather than actually bothering to pull off all that plastic. So look, yes, you can pop him back in the train, back in the box, but he's certainly not held in place by those wires, um, which is a, a bit of a hassle. But look, this is that lower end line. Um, this really is aimed at the lower end of the market, it's the cheapy market, so you've got to keep your expectations low. We're not talking hot toys by any means here. Alright, I'm going to move on to uh, the sculpt, and yeah, look, it's pretty obvious who it is. You know, this is Usagi, um, everything is there that you'd expect. We've got the groovy ears tied back in that top knot, like I mentioned, he's got his traditional gear on, um, with those, you know, wonderfully uh, flary pants, uh, and his, uh, his little sort of um, tied up belt there. Uh, it's actually almost uh, an enlarged version of the small figure. Uh, there's a few changes but really all the traditional pieces are there. He's got his uh, little sculpted sandals etc. In terms of the head which I guess is the most important thing because you know you really want this to look like Usagi. Um, they've actually done a pretty good job. I, I think what lets it down slightly is the paint which I'll obviously get to uh, in a little bit. But uh, he's got a bit of a, a smirk on his face. Um, he, it's kind of hard to describe. He's got that kind of confident um, look about him but with a bit of a wry smile like uh, somebody's just challenged him to a duel and they're not quite sure who they're about to take on so he's got that sort of air of confidence about him it actually works quite well um, I actually like it and uh, you know we've got the little groovy bits of um, tufts of fur sticking out the sides of his face uh, as well which sort of adds to that sort of presence so overall you know not too bad there's some nice drapery going on here and there which you know for a cheaper toy I'm glad they actually made the effort uh, in particular it's really obvious on the sleeves of his uh, of his 
this top, you can really see uh, the weight of um, you know those huge sleeves sort of pulling down slightly. So then some really sort of groovy um, drapery sculpted in there. So other than that, there's not a, a huge amount going on. We do actually get uh, a couple of swords, which I'd normally talk about in accessories but i'm going to bring forward for a couple of reasons and uh, at first i thought the swords my the swords which are katanas one uh is a sort of standard katana and then the other one's that slightly shorter one uh, i thought maybe that they were a bit a bit of a leftover from another figure and, and repurposed so i had a look at all the other 11 inch figures in the line and all of Leo's swords are sort of very heavily stylized, whereas uh, Usagi's ones actually look like a traditional katana. So I thought that was actually pretty groovy. It looks like they may have actually sprung for some new sculpts for those, which is actually really, really nice. Uh, and the swords are actually pretty good. We've actually got that kind of traditional hand wrap on the, on the handle. The sword guard has got a bit of detail on it. So it actually looks like a proper traditional katana instead of something that's more stylized for the cartoon. So that's actually pretty good and separates him, you know, nicely from from Leonardo. All right, moving on to paint. Well, you know, uh, as I said, this guy costs 12 bucks. Uh, it's in a kid's line. Uh, you know, you really got to keep your expectations low. Um, most of this figure is actually cast in a specific colored plastic uh, and then only sort of highlighted as necessary. So when you look at things like uh, his head, his hands and his feet, they're all cast in uh, a, a sort of off-white colored plastic. And then there's a few highlights applied. So the obvious uh, is the face where they've done the eye brows, the nose, those kind of freckles on his cheeks, and then more obviously uh, sort of the uh, the rope parts of his sandals. They've just applied a bit of a brown over the top of that cast white. Um, there's really nothing exceptional going on here. In fact, the paint is actually really quite bad on the sandals. They've kind of just kind of slapped it over the top. There's been no real effort to, uh, I guess, cover all of the rope. They've just run the brush over the top and sort of the sides of the, the, the rope holding um, his sandals on his feet are actually the same color as his feet, so it's really quite dodgy. Um, his top is actually cast in blue plastic and then they've come actually I think it's white plastic and then they've come along and airbrushed blue over the top those sort of seams where the blue meets the white on uh, his uh, his top uh, you know really uh, geez they haven't made too much of an effort to, to keep that as a clean line um, however the the two biggest disappointments for me in terms of paint have to be um, one is the face and this is an interesting one um, you know, if you hold the figure in your hands, he actually looks pretty darn good. He's pretty nifty. He looks like Usagi. Then you have a look at the back of the box, which I didn't deliberately didn't mention before. But the, almost the entire back of the box is taken up with a, a photo of the uh, the prototype figure. And uh, the face apps are actually quite different on the proto compared to what we got. Uh, in the proto, his sort of irises are red. Uh, and here we actually get sort of a, a dull color with that really obvious black pupil. So they've decided to change that during production for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure why. I haven't actually read anything. Um, it does actually change the way he looks. I think the, the proto is a little bit more in line with Stan's vision. Um, maybe the final is kind of more in line with the actual cartoon. But it really are two different portraits. And I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't get the one on the actual back of the packaging, which is a shame. It also has a lot more detail. So for example, inside his mouth is actually painted black, which is actually pretty cool because that kind of gives emphasis to those buck teeth that he has being a rabbit. You know, it's nice to see. 
On the actual figure, we get no colouring inside the mouth whatsoever, so there's no black highlighting in there, or, uh, or even sort of shading in there, should I say, um, to bring out those teeth. It's really obvious. A little bit of the paint on the, the nose, the black there has actually rubbed off um, because he has been pressed against the window, um, which is a bit disappointing. But probably the number one thing that's really, really cheesing me off is the lack of paint on the swords. On the prototype, on the image on the back, we've got these really groovy katanas that have been highlighted in blue along the handle. So that's sort of the, the wrap, which is usually made from things like ray skins and shark skin. Um, and then the sword guard and sort of the very tip at the back, the hilt, um, are a gold colour, which is actually really, really nice. And it's, it's a real shame because, um, you know, in his hands, they both actually look really, really good. However, the swords that I have in my hand have been cast in grey plastic, and that's it. There's no highlighting, no sort of any anything, no, any apps whatsoever. It's just simply cast in the grey plastic and left as is, um, which is really hugely disappointing. And I'm sure I could touch this up myself fairly easily, but you know, when you've got a prototype, hey guys, kind of stick to it. And uh, I'm a bit annoyed because this is something that Playmates actually do really often. Uh, it's something I notice on the 4-inch line as well, that the prototypes have certain paint apps, and then when the final figure comes out, it's different. And I just think, you know, Playmates, you've been in the game an awfully long time, so you must know your business, you must know how to do this. So, you know, stop producing prototypes and then actually changing it during production. Uh, you must know how to count up paint apps and how to work out a price and so on. You know, I, I feel like it's a, a little bit on the deceitful side. Uh, which is, you know, it's, it's very uncool. All right, well, moving on, and uh, articulation, not a lot going on here, nine points of articulation. Uh, best of all is the ball-jointed head. So instead of just getting like a left and right sort of uh, cut joint, this actually allows us to get a bit of a tilt, so you can sort of tilt that head left and right, which is kind of cool because it adds a little bit to that sort of expression he has on his face. Um, so, you know, left, right, up, down, and around, really cool. Um, we get a sort of very basic kind of cut joint in the shoulders, a T-crotch, um, really kind of, you know, gives you the vision of the old vintage Star Wars figures with those very, very basic articulation. But um, what we do get is, and I can't quite work out, it looks like just a simple um, sort of cut joint or something in the wrists and also in the ankles. So you can actually get sort of lateral rotation uh, of both the hands and the feet. Um, no other uh, articulation in the feet at all, but however, he does actually stand really, really well, which is good because that lack of additional movement in the ankles like no sort of Vonna ankle or anything which you know contributes to being able to get your figures to stand um, could actually be a bit of a danger but he is actually really quite stable because his feet are quite large so that's cool so just nine points of articulation really not a lot going on here in terms of posability um, the swords fit well in his hand um, the hands and the head feel like they're actually made from a very sort of very very dense rubber um, which is quite different to the rest of him, which is clearly rotocast. Um, so because the hands are rubber, there's a tiny bit of flexibility. So it kind of almost, you know, comes across as a G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip. So uh, holding the swords is actually really, really good. You can get those swords in there and they're really tight. There's no fear of them kind of slipping down or falling and, and you know, being awkward. Um, unfortunately, there's no other kind of bits and pieces on him. There are no scabbards, um, which are probably the, the, the biggest uh, disappointment in terms of, you know, lack 
attacking. Um, so you can't pop those swords away anywhere. You put both of them in his hands and that's it. So, yeah, look, you do start to really see the obvious areas where um, they've saved money on this figure and you know why now it's, you know, in a cheap kid's line. Um, it does actually sort of give me sort of pangs of desire. I really sort of want that... Um, that larger Usagi that's had a bit more effort put into it. I really wish someone like 3A uh, w would pick up, you know, Usagi and make a decent figure. Uh, the only figures we've ever had of this guy uh, are in sort of the cheaper lines, and so I think it's really crying out for a high-end figure, which would be really cool. But having said that, he does look good on the shelf. It is fun um, having a figure like this. I'm glad I actually just happened to wander and uh, wander past and see the one and only figure um, on the shelf. So, look, uh, again, when it comes to a dolly rating, it's it's kind of a difficult one. I know this is a cheap line. I know it's low end. Uh, I, I know you need to keep your expectations low in terms of paint. But I just think, you know, we're so close to having a really fun figure. The scabbers to put the swords away would have been great. Um, the paint apps being the same as the proto would have been great. A um, bit more detail, perhaps, on the painting would have been great. So... Look, I think I'm going to give this guy maybe six and a half dollies out of ten. Um, I, you know, he's fun, but I think there's just a few things going against him. Anyway, that's it from me. Stay safe, be cool, and I will catch you next time. If you like listening to podcasts, then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor, Audible, is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is X Heroes by author Peter Kleins. X Heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre-bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon. To get your copy of X Heroes for free and start your 30-day trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Welcome back. This is Adam, and tonight I'm going to talk to you about a new acquisition on my part, which is the SH Figure Arts Pretty Guardian Super Sailor Mercury. Going into a bit of background about the character, uh, Sailor Mercury is Amy Mizuno. She is the first of the Sailor Senshi that uh, Sailor Moon finds, and the third one to be awakened after Sailor uh, Venus and Sailor Moon. Um, she is, again, a schoolgirl, like the rest of them. Go figure. Um, and this particular version is after she's gone through her uh, super transformation. So she has a few differences from the previous Sailor Mercury figure that I have reviewed. Uh, we will come to those in a short moment. First up, um, this is a 2017 release and a 2017 acquisition. It's in the figure arts line, uh, so it's a Bandai slash Tamashi Nations figure. Um, it goes for about $50 US, which is about $7 more than the original Sailor Mercury went for. There may be some, uh, you know, bit of bit of CPI going on there. Um, it may just be increased cost of plastic, or it may just be that they've actually decided they can charge a bit more. Can't tell you which of those it is, but we can definitely talk about what the differences are as we continue. So if we start with the box, it's a fairly standard figure arts box, particularly for the Sailor Moon line. It um, has nice details of the character 
uh, in terms of posing and, and ways you can use the figure in that regard, which is nice. It has the 25th anniversary Sailor Moon logo, celebrating 25 years of Sailor Moon. Um, and other than that, it's fairly standard. It's got the, the cardboard that goes behind the, um, the slide-out trays and the instructions behind that. Um, and it's only got the front window. I don't think we've had a Sailor Moon figure with a side window, and I am completely open to being corrected there. Uh, in terms of once you open it, um, we have the obligatory layer of cover sitting over the top of the figure and all the various uh, swap outs. And then behind that, we have the figure stand. Um, it is a stylized figure stand, so it's another one of the love heart shaped stands with um, iconography about Mercury and uh, the character's name printed on it. I actually don't mind having the character name on some of the Sailor Moon figures because we actually, you know, for those that aren't familiar with the characters, they will actually go, um, I think it's a Sailor Moon character, but I can't tell them apart because never paid enough attention in school. Um, so that's okay uh, with me. And particularly when you're talking about is it the super versus the standard is something else that a lot of people would, would struggle with. On the figure itself, so the first up differences, um, being Super Sailor Mercury, she is fractionally taller. She's uh, 1.3 centimetres taller, or half an inch taller, um, which is uh, scaled up. That's that's not too bad. So that's, what, um, a few inches difference, I guess, overall. Or blind by six. Yeah, so several inches taller in real life uh, compared to what she is as a figure. Um, she has... A, uh, the five-pointed star on her choker around her neck. The sleeves of her uniform have sprouted the nice little transparent parts. The bow on her back has elongated and become transparenty. Um, the bow on the front has become a little bit transparent looking. Uh, and the what used to be a circle on her chest, right, right betwixt her bosoms, has turned into a lovely little uh, love heart. So those are the key differences um, that you'll pick up fairly quickly. Other than that, the uniform is more or less the same and the figure is fairly similar. Uh, so from that point of view, I'm just having a think about some of the other things. Now, I think the original could actually Elaine Bennis dance and I think this one cannot. And I think that comes down to her hair. Um, at the back maybe a little bit longer, um, her neck maybe a little bit shorter or something, but that's a little bit disappointing. Um, also the neck is a separate piece, it has ball jointed articulation at the top. I'm not particularly interested in taking the head off right now just to see if the neck rotates, but I suspect it does because it's not cast from the same piece as the upper torso. Shoulders are the fairly standard double ball joint. Um, elbows are just a single um, disc joint, so can really only rotate up and down, and you're gonna have to rely on moving the rest of the arm to get more articulation out of them. Wrists are a ball joint um, at both ends, so that's okay. There's the torso, so there is a ball joint uh, Again, just around the bosom area uh, and upper back. 
there is not waist rotation, um, which is kind of fair because you wouldn't really be able to get in there based on the skirt. Hips are ball jointed in one location only. Knees are a disc system. And then ankles are a ball joint again, which allows you to do things I hope I never do with my ankle ever again in my life. So, you know, that's that's a pretty good solid figure, pretty well articulated, um, and there's not much to complain about there. We talk about some of the paint apps here. Uh, look, there's a little bit of slop around the, um, the waist in terms of some of the white has slopped off of the skirt. Uh, or the top of the skirt and, and onto the skirt proper, which is a bit disappointing. Um, there's been a little bit of paint rub off the gold star. Um, it hasn't rubbed onto anything else, but it's just um, got a bit of a scratch through it. Um, other than that, you know what, it's pretty good. Um, uh, there's a little bit of bleed into to some of the creases around the top of the boot as well. So it's not, um, it's actually not that good, I guess, the more I look at this in detail. Um, the other issue that they have is that it's painting white on top of a metallic blue colour. Um, I can only imagine that they have done as well as they can and that's never going to be a successful application of, of paint onto surface um, in the kind of time frames that would be expected for a mass-produced figure. Uh, so look, you know, other than that, the paints are, are fine. No issues with any of the portraits, which is good. So if we move on to the accessories, uh, there is the default uh, portrait that's fitted, which is just the uh, kind of big eyes contented smile face. There is the uh, open mouth shout angry face. There is the kind of cutesy eyes closed smile face with a bit of a blush. There is um, concentrating face with uh, eyes closed, so kind of a concentrating forecasting a spell of some sort. Uh, all of those will be attached in the, the way that I would expect, which is I'm going to take her bangs off. Don't get to say that too often uh, about wonderful people and not have them go nuts at you for assaulting their hairstyle. Uh, and then you just slide the face out, face plate out, portrait. Uh, and that comes out as well. That's got three pegs and uh, a bit of a gap over the ball joint in the neck. The neck ball joint uh, attachment actually fits into the, the back of the hair. And then you just pick whichever portrait you want, plug it in there, and uh, reapply your bangs and off you go. So that's a pretty easy job. And I don't think anyone's going to have too much of a hard time about it. It's interesting, there's a little lick of hair um, coming up at the top of the bangs and that's actually something I'm fractionally concerned about because it's one of those that I can see if you aren't careful taking the hair off you could actually damage that and snap it off so something to be careful of. Um, trying to think. Uh, there is also if I look at some of the the sleeves at the top a bit of an issue with some of the paint there just um, again it's it's kind of a translucent silvery pearlescent sleeve in terms of the, the translucent part and they've but again, had to put white paint on top of a metallic -y finish, which, as I've said, is never the easiest thing. Other accessories. We've talked about the figure stand. So uh, anyone that's had one of these in the past knows that with the very small uh, footprint that these have, and this is actually about the size of their feet, um, 
they're a bit difficult to pose, particularly if you're going for anything particularly dynamic. They are not going to balance well, so a figure stand is pretty pretty much a mandatory requirement. Uh, the hand situation, she comes fitted with kind of the um, open-handed, almost a, uh, a resting hand kind of position that we have seen on many, many a figure over the years. So that's um, that's not overly surprising. There are a couple of uh, fingers splayed, open palms, casting a spell type hands, uh, which, okay, cool. There's a couple of punty hands. There is, uh, I'm just trying to look, what does that actually look like? That's kind of a, um, similar to the default hand, but with the thumb a bit closer in and the um, index and middle finger a bit further separated from kind of a, a flat default position. So again, probably kind of a, a spellcasting-y, directing-y type hand there. So um, that's not really that interesting. Um, and there's a item holding hand. So the item, and that's a, a right hand only. The items for holding are the star power stick. So her little wand charmy thing. Um, I'm just confirming that I've got the correct name. Well, it could be that. It could be the Change Crystal Rod, actually. It's probably more what it should be called, so that's fine. Um, so that's a, a little pink thing with a, a blue crystal ball on top of it that uh, sits atop a pair of little wings, and there's a, uh, a five-pointed star on top of that. And it has a nice uh, handle because what I find happens quite often with my, um, my Change Power rods and, and things is that if I don't have a handle, like a beer stein handle, I um, I don't know what to do with them because, let's be honest, it's a rod and rods are pretty hard to hold onto, you know, just a, a straight piece of anything that's that fits well inside your hand, it's just too hard to hold. But, you know, that's not figure art's fault, that's a, uh, a design issue from the original anime and manga. The other effect item, or other item that she has, is the... Uh, what is it? It's the Mercury Aqua Rhapsody um, Harp. So this is Sailor Mercury's Mercury Harp transformed into the the form it takes when she is using her Mercury Aqua Rhapsody um, spell slash attack. So that's a, a big... Oh, I'd say it's about half the height of Sailor Mercury um, item. It looks kind of watery, which makes sense. So in Japan, Sailor Mercury... Um, it's, is related to water, so the kanji used uh, in Mercury contains the kanji for water from memory. So um, Mercury is somewhat of a water planet, which is a bit different from what you might expect over in the West. Uh, and Sailor Mercury's attacks are largely focused on water attacks. So that's there, and you can get her to hold that and, and do wonderful instrument playing uh, slash water casting attacks. And... Um, that's a nice looking piece. It's all translucent and blue looking, so I don't think anyone will have any major issues with that. It probably um, adds a bit to the cost of the figure, but I don't think it would have been particularly hard to to do. So overall, you know, it's um it's not a lot of figure in terms of accessories and the like, uh, in terms of unique sculpt. Um, things like that, for $50 US. So when we compare that to the original, which had a base figure, four faces, uh, 
obviously, again, the removable hair, <clears throat> the HMD visor, so a little visor that she can wear. Um, it had 11 interchangeable hands, so more hands. It came with the um, Mercury computer, and it came with the stand. So we are paying more for less. Um, and I guess it's really up to you as to which version of the character you prefer. If you are going to be a completionist about this um, and go for both, that is your choice. I would suggest uh, that the original is probably a better figure. It's a more classic representation of the character for people that are not deeply into Sailor Moon. Um, I think if I was not committed to trying to collect the entire line, I would have been quite happy with just the base Sailor Mercury. Um, I'm not sure what that's going for these days on resale, but um, you know when it started off at 43 bucks. It's entirely possible that you uh, would have got that for a bit more these days on resale. I'd also expect that for those that, that do condone knockoffs, which we do not, um, you probably can get a knockoff for significantly cheaper than what you would get otherwise on eBay as a going rate. Um, yeah, I, it's a fine figure. It's, um, again, as with a lot of the, the figures that are slight upgrades on a previous figure, it's always hard to to know whether you really are going to prefer the new figure versus the old. Um, again, this one is is fine, and I think if you couldn't get hold of an original Sailor Mercury, you'd be quite happy with this one. Uh, and if you were going just for a Super Sailor um, Senshi top deal, you would be equally happy with this. Um, I just don't expect that they're going to go through the outer Senshi. They'll probably just stick with the, the Core 5 this time, but we shall see. Um, so, in terms of an overall score, yeah, mm, Sailor Mercury, not my biggest uh, or my favourite character from the series. Um, yes, it is a new figure, but it's really somewhat of an upgrade on an old figure. The paint apps costed a little bit, um, excepting that it can be tricky to put white on top of metallic. Um, you know... It's probably a solid seven. Uh, I think for people that already have this and that are, or have the original and aren't huge on Sailor Moon or Sailor Mercury, you'd probably drop it back down to about a six, um, six and a half maybe. So yeah, that's my review of the SH Figure Arts Pretty Guardian Super Sailor Mercury. Thanks for for listening, and we'll be right back with further adventures. What's that? The Digimon adventure continues with Digimon action figures, trading cards too. Digimon! Each sold separately from Bandai. Hello guys, it's Eddie here for my segment of this kind of uh, compilated episode. Uh, so what I am going to be talking about today is the Metal Multiverse Steppenwolf Wave. And for those of you that don't know, uh, this is basically the Justice League movie toy line wave uh, of the 
DC Multiverse. Uh, for those that don't know, DC Multiverse is the spiritual uh, successor, shall we say, uh, to the DC Classics line. And I have still been picking this line up. Uh, as you might know, I am probably leaning a little bit more on the Mattel apologist side, uh, even though some of their output last year wasn't the greatest. There's something about having their plastic quality in my hand that I do like. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to be an interesting conversation as we delve into these characters and figures here because uh, part of me really wants to like these and then there is the other reality side where there are some flaws uh, coming through. Uh, I do think this wave is an improvement over the film waves of last year, uh, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad, uh, but there is also uh, something new that's quite annoying coming into play. So let, let's just get into it before I delve on too long. Uh, so the wave consists of the core Justice League, so you have Superman, Batman, Cyborg, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash, and they all come with pieces to put together uh, the new god Steppenwolf. In terms of the figures, let's talk about Superman first. So uh, Superman is going to be the weakest figure of the bunch. Now, I say that uh, I actually really love the buck sculpt of this Superman figure, uh, but the problem here is uh, I own multiples of this buck sculpt because this is just a reuse of the Man of Steel buck. Uh, it's one we got uh, quite a few times in the Man of Steel line. And we also saw, again, in the Batman vs. Superman line last year. Uh, there are some key differences, though. It is a slightly uh, brighter paintwork. Uh, not exactly the baby boy blue that I would want on it, though. In fact, I actually prefer the paintwork on the original Man of Steel figure, even though it is uh, a darker blue on Superman. Uh, there is just a better shine to the gold on his uh, S, and it, it just seems to work better with their sort of faded red uh, color palette that they chose. Uh, he also has a completely different cape, so it's plastic around uh, the neck and then goes into a cloth cape, uh, which is a nice addition. Uh, I believe the San Diego Comic-Con Superman from Batman vs. Superman a couple of years ago had a cloth cape, but I didn't get to pick that one up. Uh, so this is my first one of the Henry Cavill uh, Superman to have a cloth cape, uh, which I, I do... Uh, I, I'm sort of back and forth between whether I prefer cloth or the sculpted plastic ones, but uh, uh, I, I don't mind the cloth one on him here. Uh, but speaking of Henry Cavill, the big problem with this figure, and easily the reason why he is the weakest figure of the wave, uh, the face sculpt is horrendous. Uh, I would really struggle to even say who this Superman looks like. It's definitely not Henry Cavill. Uh, it's uh, really hard. It's, it almost looks like Ray Liotta in Goodfellas to me more than anything else. Uh, and it's got not the greatest of 
paintwork. He's got that weird thing going on where you don't really notice it from afar, but when you look close, it looks like he's got kind of light pink lipstick on. Uh, and he's also got that same colouring under his uh, eyelids, which is kind of weird, very prominent eyebrows uh, and almost cartoony uh, blue eyes in there that really do pop uh, on his face, but it, it, it doesn't help him sort of blend in with the rest of the figures on the line. He, he sort of looks like he's from a different line. So uh, that is a shame because it is a nice bucket. And uh, the Henry Cavill sculpt on the original Man of Steel figure is actually a fairly decent one. Like, I don't know why you would, as a company, use a much worse head sculpt over a one that you already have existing that is so much better, unless there is something going on with Henry Cavill signing over his likeness rights and they literally can't use it. Uh, that would be the only logical explanation for reverting to this horrible new uh, Superman head sculpt. Now, bringing up, uh, let's go in order of my least favourites to favourites, so we have uh, something positive here. Uh, my next figure, which would be my second least favourite, but this is a larger jump uh, between Superman and Cyborg. So, Cyborg, uh, he is a fairly okay sculpt. It's um, kind of, you know, I, I don't really blame... Uh, whoever the toy sculptor was who worked on this uh, for the most part because the design from the film is a lot of sort of <laughs> grey metal chunks uh, that aren't even sort of symmetrical or uh, techy. They're just sort of almost more like grey metallic rock chunks uh, than they are <laughs> robot parts, uh, which is a bit of a shame. He's probably got the second... Uh, least accurate head sculpt shall we say here as well he's kind of uh a bit more it looks like his face has been squished in a little bit more than the actual actor uh ray fisher uh and the big problem with cyborg sculpt here is he has these massive ball joint shoulders that for some reason are just super prominent in being actual balls uh and i don't mean that in a oh they suck they suck uh kind of like balls uh i mean they literally look like balls uh going into his shoulder uh which is a disappointment because i do also have the walmart exclusive cyborg and he has kind of these pauldron pieces that go over said ball joints uh, that do uh, hide it a great deal and really uh, change the look of this figure uh, but he does have completely different arms from that walmart exclusive one these ones are a lot more thinner and do get a little bit more robotic in the hands uh, and sort of more of a terminator robot hand coming in here now he does come with an accessory uh you can remove his right arm and plug in one of his sonic blasters now i was very disappointed to find out he also has where you have the cut joint to remove his arm he has that same cut joint on his 
other arm. Now, the issue here is that I thought, oh, maybe you can remove both hands and plug in different Sonic Blasters because the Walmart one also comes with different Sonic Blasters and you could have him sort of double-barreling it. Uh, you can't... For some reason, they just gave him extra articulation on that other arm, but it's a completely different point and it's very hard to get uh, on and off. Uh, Paint-wise, he basically just then has red splotches on his body uh, and then you have face paint going on. So it's... Not a great figure, but at the same time, they were very limited by what the actual design was in the movie. So I, I, I have a hard time uh, really <laughs> faulting uh, designers on this as much as the aesthetic of the movie. Now, my next figure that I would probably say... I, I'm not too sure on the next two. Uh, I'm just going to get... Just... I'm comparing older figures release them and I think I'm gonna have to go with Aquaman as my next uh, least favorite but once again we are talking uh, fairly large jumps between these figures from when they go from <laughs> a comparative of how good they are so Aquaman, Jason Momoa version. Uh, this is a completely new sculpt. He is different to the Aquaman figure that we got in Batman vs Superman. He is fully kitted out uh, in his uh, Atlantis armor. He is holding a trident, which is the same trident piece that we got in Batman vs Superman. Uh, completely new head sculpt, which is an improvement. This does look more like uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, it is fairly decent. I do like they've even given him the slit in the eyebrow uh, over his left eye, which is very nice, and some really nice sculpting on the beard, and he does have some nice blonde washes throughout the hair, which is cool. In fact, the paintwork on Aquaman is actually really fantastic. He has kind of a green undercolor, and then there's a lot of gold and bronze washing over here to bring out the scale armor. Uh, the reason why he's in the bottom three, though, is that his hands are kind of comedically big, uh, particularly his open one for holding the trident seems uh, larger than his left hand. Uh, and this is where we're going <laughs> to start to see uh, some unfortunate changes. So I do think the sculpting uh, has greatly improved over last year's multiverse figures, uh, but they are starting to do these new articulation styles where uh, they are hiding uh, sort of the rivets of the joints uh, in the sculpt and it does aesthetically look good not great because you can still see that it is a joint in a lot of ways but uh, it, it you don't have that sort of circle rivet coming through uh, but that does greatly limit articulation points so uh, even in, say, a elbow joint, you're only getting maybe four or f maybe 80 degrees, uh, not even the 90 degrees. It's just, it's not great. It's even worse on the knees and the ankles. Uh, so articulation 
is a point where these guys really suffer. Now, I didn't really talk about articulation in the other ones, but they all do have basically uh, the same amount. So you've got a ball-jointed head, ball-jointed shoulders, you've got a... Elbow joint, you got swivel in the wrist, swivel at the waist, kind of ball jointy uh, waist, uh, uh, upper. Uh, so I'm blanking. I, sh- I should know this by now in my action figure reviewing life. Uh, but uh, kind of ball jointed hip joints, uh, knee joints, and uh, you've also got. Uh, ankle joints down there at the bottom. So the three that I've talked about so far don't have any ab crunch, uh, which is a shame. And that's kind of what drops uh, Aquaman a little bit here uh, below. I I would have liked to see him, uh, being that it is a new sculpt, get that ab crunch in there just for a bit of posing around uh, some cool swimming poses would have been nice to be able to get out of him. So... My third favourite figure of the bunch is Wonder Woman. Uh, obviously, the Gal Gadot version. Now, this is the same sculpt that we got in Batman vs Superman for the Buck. Uh, it is coloured very differently, though. This is a much brighter, and uh, the gold is given a lot more of a prominent shine. But the huge difference uh, on this one is there's a brand new head sculpt and it is night and day better over the one we got in Batman uh, vs. Superman. So uh, the one we got for Batman vs. Superman for the Aussies out there uh, looks very much like Effie from Acropolis now, uh, whereas this new one uh, isn't... I'm not... I'm not Saying that it's perfect, don't go in expecting hot toy quality uh, head sculpt here, uh, but it is uh, much more reminiscent of Gal Gadot uh, than Mattel have released so far. That said, I don't have the Toys R Us exclusive Wonder Woman from the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, I did think that these two figures looked a lot alike, and I wasn't too sure if they were just re-releasing the same figure just with different builder figure parts uh, but it's a huge improvement over that one from last year now unfortunately on my paint her eyeliner on her left eye is a little bit thicker at the bottom than on her right eye which means that at certain angles it does look like she might have a little bit of a black eye which is quite a uh, shame uh, for this figure Uh, but a big plus is that she comes with more accessories than any other so you've got her lasso of troop and you've also got her sword and both will go into her holster there so she can hold both items uh, on her which is always a plus whenever a figure can hold their accessories but Really good figure. If you are looking for a Wonder Woman figure, she's actually one of the best ones uh, probably going around because the original uh, DC classic ones, both New 52 and 
the original one from Wave 4 aren't exactly the best figures. So this actually might be uh, the best Mattel Wonder Woman figure to have come out. Now, she has the same articulation uh, that I mentioned, minus uh, she's one of the figures that doesn't have... Uh, an ab crunch, which is, once again, a shame, but because she's got this holster uh, draped through and around her, I can understand it might be a bit difficult to get that in and work. But a fairly good uh, figure. She is one that uh, you wouldn't shy away from on your shelf. My next favourite figure is the Flash. Now, the Flash gets on here uh, because of his sculpt and paintwork. This figure is really good. Uh, really fantastic sculpting going on. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of the Flash costume from the film. Uh, looks a lot like the Injustice costume. Uh, more to me than any other sort of uh, classic Flash design. It doesn't really denote the Flash to me when I look at it. Uh, it seems more cumbersome to running than it, uh, any of the other versions. And uh, just on a personal note, I always, I, I really find it weird at the moment when I watch the Flash TV show and Grant Gustin's Flash has a far superior Flash costume on a CW budget than a $300 million uh, <laughs> feature-length movie. But uh, I'm, I'm getting distracted from uh, what we're here to look at, which is the action figure. So uh, you do have it really well replicated here, though they uh, have worked with what they've been given and given us a great buck. Uh, and it's got some wonderful paintwork over it. So if you know the Flash costume from the movie, he has all these sort of stretchy, uh, sort of pieces of string all over the costume. And I assume that's meant to be that he runs so fast that pieces of the armor would come off and it sort of holds them in place while he's running, which why would you wear armor? But yeah, uh, we're getting distracted again. But all of those string pieces are painted in here. You've got multiple reds uh, coming through here. There is the black undersuit going on. And he's got really good eye coloring going uh, on inside the mask. So you do get that Ezra Miller uh, face coming through here. So really fantastic figure. Now, what was really odd on this guy is this is one of the guys we start to see more articulation on. And this is where the figure has a few negative flaws. Uh, one being that his ab crunch does almost next to nothing. You might get 25 degrees of movement out of the ab crunch, and uh, most of that movement is looking backwards, not forwards, which doesn't necessarily make for a lot of great running poses as opposed to what you might get uh, coming forward. And the other being a joint that was so actually well hidden in the sculpt, I didn't realize it was there uh, until days after opening uh, Ezra here. But he actually has double jointed knees, uh, which is odd because of the way they've done it. Once again, uh, they've hidden the rivets uh, on the leg, so it bends pretty much where you would expect a single knee joint to bend. And then 
a bit below the knee itself, you've got the second uh, joint coming in, so you can bend it a little bit further. But it does look odd. It looks like he's got a bit of an extra long piece of knee, and then you've got a cutoff going on in his actual shin bone itself. Uh, not uh, that he's bending at the knee. So it does look kind of painful and awkward when you actually start to really focus on it. It's It's not... Not great. Uh, it, it looks good when the leg's locked in and he's in a straight standing pose. You can't even see any of the joints hidden in between his armor. But once you start bending him, you do sort of notice like, oh, that's that's really not how anatomy works. So that is a little bit of a shame. And so if you are master detectives out there, you would have realized my favorite character on this list is and this wave is going to be the Batman figure. Now, this Batman figure is based on his tactical outfit from the end of the movie. Now, when we first saw promotional images of this outfit, I hated it. I thought he looked much more like Night Owl than Batman, and it to be honest, the film didn't really do anything to win me over that it was a good idea to put Batman in this suit, but I hated it far less than I thought I would be uh, watching it on the screen. The biggest difference really is that he has goggles. Apart from that, he kind of looks more like he's in the armored variant edition that you get at the end of Arkham Asylum. Uh, but the sculpt work on this figure is really incredible. Just like the Flash, uh, he's got amazing details going on. So you see sort of the buckle and strap joints uh, around his waist going on there. You've got almost like a tread tire mark going over his underbody suits and lots of different texture patterns going on. Uh, what is kind of weird in the sculpt is that he has these elbow pads and when you move the elbow joint up, the elbow pad kind of follows with uh, the forearm. So you're getting almost this little bit of a tag coming out uh, on the side, but uh, when his arm's straight, it sits flush up against his elbow, which uh, does look good and does really help to hide the joints. So uh, the Flash and Batman do a really good job of hiding their articulation. So when they are standing up straight, they do look almost like statues uh, in a lot of ways, which uh, is, is good. Uh, but when you do start posing, uh, Batman does actually look a lot better than the Flash. He does have his joints in areas where you would sort of expect uh, muscle movement to be, which is good. Now, he does still have some limitations. Uh, you can't sort of get him with a punching pose, uh, his arms straight in front of him. It does sort of hinder a bit by Ben Affleck's massive pecs. Uh, so he is with his arms out constantly looking like he's saying he caught a fish uh, kind of this big. Uh, but apart from that, you can get some good poses out of him. And he does have a material cape. Now, it is different to the Superman cape. This one is more of kind of a vinyl polyester material, uh, whereas the Superman's is straight up cloth. And the actual head sculpt on the cow is really good. Now, it is uh, him with goggles, so the goggles are down, but uh, the face coming through the mask is a lot better 
than the version we got in Batman vs Superman and even the uh, Suicide Squad one coming through. And I actually recommend my favorite figure uh, that they've done recently is just the plain Batman from the Walmart line. Uh, That is a really good version of the general uh, Ben Affleck Batman that you can get out there, even though there's multiple figures of it. Uh, That's the first one to really get it right. So uh, I actually really like this figure. He's ended up being one that uh, has turned into sort of that figure that you have near your computer desk that you often find yourself picking up with them, playing and posing around and moving through. Now, they're my favourite from least to favourite in terms of the general figures, but what about the builder figure? So the builder figure, Steppenwolf. Uh, Okay, Uh, now we need to go into kind of Eddie's thoughts on the movies here. Uh, I like Steppenwolf as a character. I'm a big fan of the Jack Kirby New Gods. The film did a terrible job representing Steppenwolf as a character, and that uh, is not only in his motivations, uh, but in his design. I was really worried when we got that deleted scene and sort of saw the initial design, and there were rumours saying that was Steppenwolf that we saw Lex Luthor talking to with the horns. I was like, oh, that's the design they're going with? Like, it's not not great. Like, I see where they're taking from fellow Australian and friend of the show, Nicola Scott's design of Steppenwolf from Earth One, uh, where he did have a horned helmet, but this kind of looked like a horned uh, creature. And what we got was kind of a combination of the two in the end uh, in the movie, but it's a lot of just kind of bluey gray mess with a little bit of red coloring going on. And credit where credit's due, uh, the figure does do a good job of replicating that design. So it it is some nice work that's gone on in capturing what was shown on the screen into the figure. But unfortunately, it's just not an appealing design. And he does tend to blend in a lot with the Ares builder figure too. Like it is really coming forth to me how much uh, they're relying on these uh, big CGI guys. Like uh, we didn't get one for Suicide Squad, but you could have that Incubus character in there. You could have Doomsday in there. It's just kind of these CGI gray blobs as villains each time, uh, which is a shame. Now, he does come with his massive axe piece that is uh, very nicely designed, but unfortunately there's no paint or anything on it, and it is made out of a bit of a softer plastic, which means when he's holding it, because the end is so big, you are getting a bit of droop factor going on there. Uh, So I generally have him holding it sort of closer to the blade than the bottom end of the handle. Articulation, it's the exact same as you get on the basic figures. Now, he is one that does have uh, an ab crunch, but unfortunately, like the Flash, uh, he's got one where, even though it's got a fair range of movement, it's heading back rather than forward, so he can almost be breaking his back looking up into the sky, and then you actually get very little movement once he's uh, up in a standing position. You can't sort of bend him leaning over or anything like that, which is a shame, because he actually is quite taller than 
a regular figure. So he stands about one and a half uh, the size of a regular uh, six-inch figure. So maybe nine, 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 ten inches you'd probably have him standing at. Uh, so he is quite prominent there on the shelf. Uh, so I, I am on, on a couple of different minds. He's a really good interpretation of the character we saw in the film, but just sadly, it's not not a great design. So I, I, I feel bad taking it down, Marks, because of uh, Zack Snyder's vision rather than the actual figure artist that worked on this. There is some very nice sculpting of different patterns and details going on in here, there's uh, some nice color work. You sort of got gray and bluey washes uh, going on, but yeah, it's just not an appealing looking figure. So I'm mixed on where to leave this. And that kind of sums up how I feel about this wave across uh, the board. Now I do like DC. I am a DC comic book fan. I, I love these characters. I am happy to finally be seeing them on the big screen, but I am often left wanting and it's echoing in the figures that we're getting and the merchandise. And so as I wind down here and need to give a Dolly rating, I think that's where I'm going to fall is across this line. It's a five Dollies out of 10 because there is some really good here and there's some really bad here as well. So uh, I guess I recommend picking these up. No, I don't. I mean, if you want to pick up Batman, uh, you know, if you're a Flash fan, pick up the Flash. Even Aquaman and Wonder Woman kind of toe the line uh, there itself as well. But uh, if you can, uh, get both versions of the Cyborg. And even though the Walmart one has a head sculpt with the visor down that's never used in the film, maybe pop off the other one and stick that on that and use that as your cyborg. But yeah, it's, it's a rough, rough run and just keep your man of steel, uh, Superman to use for your collection there. And if you really want Steppenwolf, you can probably pick him up for cheap. I can't imagine he's going to be one of the most desired, uh, builder figures of the year. But hey, uh, I'm going to wrap up things here. Thank you so much for hearing me prattle on uh, as I try to justify why I brought these Justice League figures. Uh, it is very much appreciated that you come on this journey every time. And hey, we're past 300 now, 301 here today, and then on to the next one. So I'm going to wrap up here, guys, and pass you on for your next segment. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might lack a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues with the promo code BREACH10. 
Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. And if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out, much like this next feedback from Scotty. Yay. So this is an email from Billy. And he says, hey, guys. Billy didn't say where he was from, so um, I'm assuming an English-speaking country. Uh, Hey, guys, I'm new to collecting and have found your podcast at a really good time. It's become my top listen. Yay, Billy, we like you too. (laughs) One thing which I am sure you've talked about in the past, but which I am currently struggling with, is the old issue of opening or not opening my carded figures. You guys sound like openers. So I was wondering what you see the pro and cons are. Thanks in advance, Billy. So I'm pretty sure back in the day, mm, yeah, um, yeah, when we, like when we first started and we had discussion topics that were um, actual like discussions, not and that sort of thing. That I'm I'm sure we did to open or not to open. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I can't remember what the results of that were. So Ben, your take. I think my attitude's pretty much the same as it probably was six years ago when we covered it. And, uh, you know, I'm an opener. Um, Certainly with statues, it's pretty much a given. Nobody buys an expensive statue and leaves it in the box. Uh, But in terms of action figures, uh, I I, I do like the way figures look in their box, particularly things like Star Wars Black. They've got a very sort of sleek appearance, but they do take up a lot of space. But... It kind of goes against everything that I feel is fun about figures. I've got a a pretty huge Marvel Legends um, display going, and they look great together. I've kind of set them all up so all the Avengers are together, all the X-Men are together. Um, And, you know, it's my little sort of action figure universe, and, and that's the whole point of having them. So really, you know, the only reason I can imagine people keep them in the box is to retain value. And then it's like, well... Why don't you just go and buy mutuals or something like that instead? Like, yeah, I think yeah, action, yeah. action figures are a bit of a lost cause if you if you're going for the value. Um, you can make a lot more money uh, in, in other um, you know, other things. So, yeah, I, I'm I haven't changed my attitude at all. It's still the same. I do leave things in the box that I haven't got room to display. Um, I've got a few sort of odds and sods. Um, you know, I've got a small shelf that has you know one shelf has my Palisades Muppets. Uh, another one has kind of like my uh, SH Monster Arts Godzilla and King Kong and stuff like that. But that's kind of filled up with random bits and pieces. So some of my more recent acquisitions are still in the box simply because I don't have anywhere to display them when I take them out of the box. Um, and for the for the purposes of keeping them, uh, you know, keeping them nice or whatever, it's just like, oh, I might as well just leave it in the box. So, yeah, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I first started collecting, I was not an opener. Um, and then I had kind of lots of tubs of carded figures. And there was a point where I uh, just thought, you know, like, I'm, what am I buying these for? I'm actually buying them to enjoy them. And so I'm going to open them. And, yeah. you know, and even though now I don't have an action figure display, because uh, I display statues, that's all I've got room for. Um, you know, I still open um, because I like, I, I really like, uh, you know, photographing them and checking them out. And then I've, I've got some good storage systems um, with them that I can kind of keep them organized, but in a more contained, you know, space. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I agree. I think that, um, that, 
they're not investments and that, you know, you, you really can't go into this stuff and think, oh, well, I'm not going to open this because, you know, someday I might be able to sell it for a mint because those opportunities are far and (laughs) you know, and, um, and you, and you just absolutely cannot predict what holds its value and what doesn't. And with a lot of this stuff too, I think that sometimes we, um, like depending on what you collect, that sometimes you know the the actual market um, can be a really small pool. Um, yeah, and yeah. particularly in Australia, you know, like it's where you know, there's a immediate um, issue with you know getting what you want for something on things like eBay, where because of shipping and you know and all that stuff that just makes it harder. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I think one of the things that has definitely changed a lot since, um, I started collecting is the advent of much more collector friendly packaging, um, which I feel like we've had something to do with because we uh, (laughs) banged out about it constantly. Uh, (laughs) But, um, the, uh, you know, like, and, and to me, that's the best of both worlds. Um, and you know, it, it bugs me that more stuff it bugs me that you know stuff over a certain price point does when it doesn't come that way because you know i being able to put stuff back in its original packaging yeah. for me is the ideal yeah and i think it's hard too because you know whether the slight exception to the rule with collectors because in order to review this stuff we actually take yeah. it out and play with it so, yeah. I mean, yes, for Star Wars Black, you can take it out, review it, and pop it back in the box. But as you heard with my review for, you know, Usagi, uh, tonight, <laughs> once that dude's out of the box, he's out of the box. And, you know, I, I can't recall ever having reviewed a figure on the show where I've just kind of held the box up uh, and talked about it. You know, I, I open mm. these things up and I, I play with the articulation because, you know, I also like to check that, you know, oh, you know, this is a really nice figure, but straight out of the packaging, the joints are loose. Um, well, you know, I'm not doing the right thing if I, you know, just take a guess by looking through the window box. So Yeah, exactly. You can't really do yeah. that. Yeah. And look, I think yeah. if you have the space, I, I've seen some really fun uh, displays of, say, Star Wars Black where they're all still in the box, and, and it looks really good. And if you've got that much space because it's the only thing you collect, for example, then more power to you. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like having all my Hydra and AIM troopers all sort of standing together. Um. Yeah, just wouldn't yeah. quite feel the same having them all, you know, boxed up. So yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's no wrong answer, um, it, because it's what suits you and what you enjoy, and I suppose you know if you, particularly if you collect something that is a huge line where the packaging is all really similar, um, Marvel Select is an example of that. You know, I think there is a definite um portion of Marvel Select. Uh, collectors that would not be openers because they collect them to display them, you know, yep. in that big group, and that packaging is like the least collector friendly packaging. Yeah, yeah, on the planet. <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, when you do have to open one, you kind of then lose the will not just to open things but to live. Um, yeah. The. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, like. It, there's there's no wrong answer, right? Like, no, there isn't. Do what you enjoy. But you know, having said that, I, I'm looking around my you know, my collector room at the moment, and you know, I've obviously got all my Marvel Legends and and DCUC on display. But um, you know, I've also got all my NECA Aliens and Predator, and I've set up 
my aliens figures uh, along the top of some dead holes. And so I've got, you know, my swarms of all the different aliens figures, including the queen, sort of rushing, you know, all the uh, all the marines that have been released so far, plus all the accessories packs on display. And, you know, it, it it's why I do it. It looks fun. It looks great. I enjoy it. And I don't think I'd get anywhere near the enjoyment by having them all in their packets in tubs or, you know, even if you've got them in the boxes, there's still only so many that can be front and centre. Um, I think I have somewhere in the vicinity of, I think, 22 AIM soldiers from Marvel Legends. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to display 22 of them on the wall. Uh, and if I put them on the shelf, you know, having them four or five deep kind of defeats the point, you know, defeats the purpose as well. So, so yeah, look, I think, you know, if you are a, a mint on card collector, more, more power to you. But I just, yeah, I just don't get the fun out of it. I, I wouldn't get the enjoyment out of it that I do with mm. actually playing with my toys. Thank you, Billy, for um, that. And when I read this, I thought, you know, we probably uh, should kind of, after a 300 episode, <laughs> um, you know, go back and revisit some of those uh, topics because obviously we've got some different voices um, and just to see, you know, how we've evolved. Um, like not us as people because obviously we're toy collecting dudes we don't evolve um but the um but how the industry has evolved um packaging is always you know something that uh i think i would have been interested in anyway but particularly because it's something that we always you know review and comment on like i am really interested in the way that that stuff has evolved over time and um you know obviously the the, the factors that go into decision-making um, around that. And I think that there's a topic in that in itself, both on the action figure front, but also on the statue front as well. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, <laughs> it, yep. uh, on the statue front, it has lots of implications, um, not just the kind of security of your um, item, but sometimes the amount of shipping that you're going to pay yeah. uh, for it yeah. as well, or whether it's going to actually arrive in, one or more pieces. <laughs> That's right. So, yes. yes. So, yeah. Hey, thanks, Billy. Discussion there. Yay. Hey, well, I think, I think we're done. I think we are. Yeah. Awesome. That was a really tiring one for me. Um, <laughs> seeing as I was only here for the beginning and the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 301. That just seems so kind of so immature. It's like, you know, we're, we're at the bottom again. We've got a, a long I road know. to 400 now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder if 101-year-olds feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, do you get to 101 and go, oh, man, I've got to do another 99 of these again? Or, you know, like, uh, probably not. Every, every, <laughs> every new day is my new favorite day. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to take a line out of your book from last week and say at the moment I feel 301. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, indeed, it's been fun okay. all the way. Yeah, it sure has. Very, very good. All right. Well, okay. thanks for listening, and we shall catch you next week. Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. 
We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mox Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening.